Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp, Fightful.com. Here with a name you know. You've known him as Mojo in the past. You're going to get to know him as Dean Mutati. How you doing, man? Hey, man. Great to be on here. Thanks for uh, for having me. This is long overdue, my friend. It Thanks is. Thanks for being patient. It is. You got some stuff coming up, man. You got, you oh, got dude, a, a little thing called Snake Eyes, maybe? A little thing? <laughs> How, How ridiculous, right? How does that go under the radar? Dude, it was so painful quietly holding on to that one, man. I'm a I'm a loud guy with a with a big mouth, so keeping that under wraps for a while was tough, but the trailer aired, it you know, showed me in it, so I'm just so excited we're we're finally here. We've been waiting for this one for a long time. So how did that come about? How were you contacted for it? Oh man, so dude, I was just uh finishing up a workout and I I got a call from um, from Talent Relations, and they pretty much told me that I was requested for uh, for Snake Eyes, and that um, you know they were trying to see if my schedule was open to do it. I was like, forget my schedule. <laughs> Whatever I got booked, we're throwing out the window. Let's let's rock, baby! I was so excited about it. I mean, that's quite the opportunity to have brought right to you, like no audition, nothing like that. Before you hear about it. Did you have to go and do reads? Like, how did that work? No, they were just, I, I, I don't remember exactly how long um, before we filmed that I found out, but it was not a long time, maybe a week or two. And, you know, I didn't have any, any script or any kind of heads up on what I was going to be doing in the movie. It was just uh, pretty much, do you want to be in it? And I was like, uh, yes, whatever it is, I'm in. Let's check this out. I'm so excited about it. We'll just we'll handle it from there. So I kind of went in went in blind, but man, I tell you what, what they put together was unbelievable. The the film itself is going to be incredible. Summer blockbuster. It's going to be huge, and uh, I'm very very excited about my contributions to the film. That's that's for sure. So uh, we we saw a little bit of what's going to happen in the trailer. I mean, that's. That's big time. The G.I. Joe series. It's like you and Sergeant Slaughter, just a couple of pals, right? Like, <laughs> that's pretty we're cool. Have, yeah, we're going to have to resurface in more of them together. I love Sarge. He's the best. So was this your first, like, act? I mean, th- the reason why I say is it your first acting role, because, like, the way that you would cut promos, it definitely doesn't seem like it would be your first acting role. It seems like you've taken acting classes or something in the past. But have you? Uh, this will be my my first big film. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've done like some commercials and, and uh, some other smaller things over the years, but this is uh, definitely my first jump into uh, into that industry. And um, yeah, dude, it, it came out great. I mean, it was it was pretty seamless coming in from wrestling. Um, yes, they are two very wildly different industries, <laughs> but there's actually a little more in common than you would think. So I was just happy to see how smooth the transition was, and it it uh, it came out great. So 
what process do you go through? Do you like got to join SAG? Do you have to do all that? What what steps lead you to not even transitioning, but but trying out the, this new this new thing? Well, actually, I'm uh, agent hunting hunting right now. I've been talking nice. with a few, and it's all been uh, been very positive. But uh, you know, I, I, regardless of what people might think, I do like to take my time and think things through and do all my due diligence on everything. It's not only crazy impulsive decisions but uh yeah man i'm just it's going great and i I think uh this is gonna open a lot of uh doors for me in that space so it's just uh setting up the pieces right now and definitely more to come we've already been uh in talks about that snake eyes it releases july 23rd were you a gi joe kid like did you watch the cartoon and all that did you have the figures bro i had all of the toys like all of the toys me and my brother and cousins and whatnot we we had all of them and we watched and it was it was great and i mean snake eyes is the fan favorite by a mile of everyone so like it was so cool to be a part of that specifically speaking speaking of figures and people who like them i got a reader question and it's funny because i didn't advertise that we were doing this interview and the reader question, completely anonymous, says, why did your friend Steve give Matt Cardona only a $50 comp at the <laughs> Hard Rock Pool? <laughs> so my buddy Steve used to run entertainment at the Hard Rock Hotel in Vegas. So, um, man, he would take care of the boys like crazy. I mean, I, I made friends with Steve like almost a decade ago. And, like, we would come in and we'd do these crazy party trips. He'd comp everything. Got to the point where I was so friendly with the staff. If someone needed bottles at the Cabanas, I'd just go in the back and, and get them myself. So <laughs> I would, dude, we'd go ham there. And it was always on TMZ. And it was always, you know, in the news. So the Hard Rock loved it. It was just great promo. So I would tell the boys, it's like, guys, if you're ever going to Vegas, hit up Steve, like Steve will take care of you, you know, and man, we get room comps, like the multi-story villas, like the <laughs> amount of damage we did at that place was ridiculous, but he would take care of the boys. So I think Zach was going to Vegas and he's like, dude, uh, what do I need to do or whatever? And I, I linked him up with Steve and I guess he had, had this tab. I don't know how much it was. I think it was over a, a couple thousand or something. I don't, I don't know if they were operating under the sense that he was going to comp the whole thing or what, but I guess they paid. And then Steve couldn't retroactively go back and (laughs) reimburse them because it's taking money away from taking out of the rent. Yeah. Like you're physically rather than comping it before it gets through. So all Steve did. And I thought it, he comped him. He took 50 bucks off the tab. And when I found out, part of me was in tears laughing, but part of me was like, oh, great. Now I'm going to hear about this one forever from Broski because that's how he is. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. That is amazing. So, and of uh, course, that anonymous uh, caller or whatever was him. There's no doubt about that. I mean, that. completely anonymous. I can't, I can't expose anybody, obviously, for, for stuff like that, but... Uh, man, obviously, you, you spent some time with with Matt Cardona in in WWE. Uh, what have you seen the stuff that he's doing outside, like messing with Nick Gage and the death match like stuff? Have you seen any of this? Yeah, I've been following um, as much as I think Broski is the biggest tool on the planet, and beating the crap out of him and insulting him is literally my favorite thing to do, um, man. <laughs> This guy knows how to hustle. He knows how to market. And um, it's, it's, it's been good to see everything that he's doing. I mean, this is one guy that that really gets it, knows how to promote himself and uh, produce multiple, um, you know, levels of income and operate in a lot of different uh, capacities. So hats off to him for for always being on that. I mean, his, his story throughout WWE is incredible. I don't think... Uh, it doesn't justice what's what's already out there, but yeah, seeing him in uh in death matches and you know he's bleeding everywhere. And I think <laughs> so, all that happened at Jimmy Seafood, which is yeah, in my they, neck, back in Maryland. So so when we were talking about me doing this interview, I, I dropped him a line. I was like, listen, you know what? We get super heat. Like the most non indie thing is you have Mojo jumping with you. And he says, he's like, I'm not sharing my heat with anyone, dot, 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 especially him. 
and I died. <laughs> I, I got to like, teach the kid how to get some heat, man. Oh, speaking of, one of, one of my favorite things over like the brand split era, you cut this promo on him, and it was the selfie promo. And you know exactly what one I'm talking about because it's the one that made WWE go, oh, these kids like these selfie promos, do they? And they had everybody doing it. Not not the fact that it was you cutting a great promo. Oh, he used a cell phone. Like, that's <laughs> what it was. What's your reaction when you saw them take that? Because it's very clear that that inspired it. You weren't the first person to cut a selfie promo, but you were the one that got the buzz from it. Um, you know, there's a lot of things you do that when you put out or maybe you pitch it, it like resurfaces on TV with, you know, somebody else trying to do what you're good at. And I've always had a couple of different thought processes about it uh, because one, there is part of me that understands it and I get it. You're getting paid a salary to do a job. And especially if you're a guy that's not on TV every week, maybe your contribution is from a, backdoor creative standpoint where it's like, all right, well, this guy's got great ideas. We'll keep him around and continue to pay him so we can steal his stuff to a point. I get it. Whatever. That's going to happen. But another point, you know, it's the, I don't know. I guess it's your own personal ego and sense of maybe self-respect or whatever, but you're like, guys, what the hell? Come on, man. This, this was me. I could be doing this way better. You know, this was my thing. This was, this was my idea. You can try and get somebody else to give you a watered down version, but it's not going to be as good. Why don't we just keep things authentic and roll with, uh, you know, the originator here. So, you know, I see both sides of the coin, but yeah, that was one, one instance where I was kind of looking around like, it was, (laughs) it was very obvious. They started to add like the text to it and all that stuff. And I was like, I think you all lost the, the point of why it was so natural. It was a guy talking like a normal human being into his phone camera. It wasn't the typical WWE promo. And that's what I liked about your promo style was it didn't seem like somebody had scripted it for you. It seemed like you were talking and you were making a point. Was was your own promo style and delivery something that was concentrated on your part or did it just happen? I've always just wanted to just do things, man. Just Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill let me go out there and be me um you know that whole program with zach i mean it got no tv time uh we set up the split for months you know i finally turned on him and then it went straight to a dot com detailing the breakup and then we had a match on the pre-show with all the constraints and you know uh just limiting factors where we couldn't even really swing for the fences on that one. So me and Zach just kind of took it upon ourselves. Like, you know what, let's just do whatever we can off of TV. Let's go at each other. You know, let's, you know, take the gloves off and get kind of nasty with this. And it was, it was great because I feel like uh, there was so much we could have touched on because literally I feel like there's two ways to, to make it into WWE and become successful and we both represent those two tracks. I mean, we're polar opposite guys, polar opposite workers, um, you know? So it's like, man, let's just go after each other because it was, you know, being in that team was difficult for both of us. We both saw it going uh, completely different ways. We both tried to pull it towards different directions. And, you know, the company had their own opinion on it, which is kind of where it went. So it was a little more natural for us to really come at each other and voice our concerns and attack each other for what we disagreed with the, uh, with the other. And I think that's why we were able to generate a little bit of buzz for that. I mean, I think that match had a little more emphasis and a little bit more of a demand and following because of, of what we did. And it was natural and it was organic and it wasn't produced and it was just 
you know, us doing our thing. And, you know, you, you love to see more of that on the show, but you understand too, it is, it's a television show and it's their television show and they have an end game in mind and they know how to, you know, package their product to, to get to the people buying uh, commercials and their, their demographic and, and whatever. So, uh, but you know, it, it's a, it's a tough process. It gets disconnected. Sometimes that might be an example of one of them. He told me that before your, your main roster debut, they had you hidden on a bus. And he was like, he was like, why are y'all keeping this a secret from me? Mojo works here. They won't think anything of him being backstage. Yeah, I was, um, I was drafted already. I think I was drafted, you know, he's already on the main roster, but they just drafted me. I was wondering if they were going to draft the hype bros together. They just, uh, they drafted me. So it came to, I think they, so they flew me and, um, me and Bailey because it was in DC where I grew up. Yeah. Um, that's where Zach was wrestling Rusev at battleground. So I think they flew us into Baltimore, pretty much shuffled us into a uh, blacked out car when we waited in the car until we got on the private bus and it was, you know, me and Bailey hiding because I think we were both debuting that night. Um, so Zach was so mad, dude, because no one told him that I was there. I didn't know what I was doing. I just texted him. I didn't really know what was going on. I just assumed he knew. Yeah. And I was like, you know, everyone's always like main roster. Everything's got to be secret. Nothing can leak. So I was yeah. like, I didn't even want to text him, bro. You know, this is the night I just texted him. So excited for tonight. This is going to be great. Um, in my head, I was like, oh, he already knows what I'm saying. Cause he knows I'm here. He didn't know. So he was like, this is not a good way to start this tag team, bro. <laughs> <laughs> he was so pissed. I was like, I understood, but it's just, it's one of those learning curve things. You know, I don't, I didn't know how it operated on the, on the main. Oh man. Well, another one of those interesting situations came like you were drafted to raw. And then when Gronk's popping up on SmackDown, there are just all of a sudden like Mojo's a SmackDown wrestler now. Like what conversation went on there to be like, well, Mojo and Gronk are boys. So now Mojo's a SmackDown guy. (laughs) um so yeah i was i was on red and then um we had this idea me and me and rob were setting up something big and it was gonna be really cool stuff and i'm hoping later in my career whether it's you know in wwe or somewhere else we still get to do what we had in mind but uh you know, the world shut down and, and the pandemic happened. So he, we didn't get to follow, follow through with it. And of course he went back to football. He had a great <laughs> offer there, but yeah, I was like a heel on a heel on raw. And then all of a sudden I show up on SmackDown and I'm magically old stay hype, baby face mojo. <laughs> and I was just like, this is confusing. And then we ran the bit with Rob until he went back to football. And then I was overnight a heel again. I was like, what, what were your thoughts uh, about his dance moves during his first entrance? Loved it. I, I mean, that's <laughs> so Robbie Cheeto. He, he's such an idiot, but I love him for it. I mean, I'm the same way. Like, uh, it would have been more fun if, you know, the, the fans and everything were there. Um, SummerSlam was supposed to be in Boston that year, so that can tip you off a little bit. Uh, uh, I, I do yeah, love that he's just it. like, ah, Florida, huh? I think I'll stay. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm playing football again. I, you know, I, I just think I might go back and win another Super Bowl or something. Like, eh. Bro, we were trying to get him to go to Tampa Bay back in, like, 2012 because he had this ridiculous home at the Yacht Club in, in Tampa, um, which I didn't want to move into because I was, like, making a, you know, starting NXT salary, so I was yeah. broke as hell. And I was scared I would, like, just break everything in there and be able to pay for nothing. <laughs> he convinced me to move in, but we used to throw bangers there for, like, the FCW roster and stuff. Uh, you could ask some of the boys about those. But, yeah, man, we were trying to get him to come to the Bucks back then so we could keep the house and stay there and whatnot. But, hey, fast forward years later, he's back, so it's all good. Were you there when Vince was talking him into doing the dive at WrestleMania and then did it himself? Yeah, man. So uh, I think other than like Tom Brady and his agent, like I was the only one that knew that he was really going back to football. I mean, maybe a couple of family or whatever, but we're literally on the bus. 
you know, Drew Rosenhaus is calling, Brady's calling, like he's trying to figure out his life. And uh, they come up to me and they're like, we're going to have Rob jump off the ceiling pretty much. And we're going to have some NXT guys who just got here catch him. And I was like, uh, no, you're not. <laughs> like, absolutely not. This guy has zero training, doesn't know what he's doing. He's probably crazy enough to accept it on a whim without thinking. I was like, I got to stand up for my buddy here. I'm the one that brought him in. So uh, they pretty much write it into the script without without asking him at first. And then, you know, Matt Bloom came up to me. He's like, dude, I got like 15 guys from NXT all over 6-3. We'll have an army there to catch him. We're going to get this done. And I was like, Matt, I, he can't do this. I didn't want to spill the beans yeah. and tell everyone who was getting ready to go back to football. I didn't know how to say it without making either of us look bad. So we're standing there, and I was like, look, man, it's your call. It's a lot of guys. They're going to be there. I will not drop you. I, I'll be right in the front. If you short it, it'll be just me. I got you. If you want to, if you don't want to do it, tell me, I'll get you out of it. No problem. It's on me. You know, don't worry. And then we're literally having this conversation. And then, you know, Vince comes out and he's like, oh, you know, doing the whole Vince thing. Let's show him how to do it. One of those. It's super easy, Rob. You know, watch, I'll show you right now. And he like literally pulls out his money clip and his phone and he hands it to me and he just walks up there without any hesitation and just jumps off on the crash pad. Which, mind you, is 10 times worse than yes. having 15 giants catch you because you actually have to fall to the ground with the crash pad. And he does it. And I looked at Rob and I was like, well, you got to do it now. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he knew. So, it was, yeah, he went for it. But, man, <laughs> what the hell? It was pretty crazy. Oh, that was when I saw the foot. Like, I had heard the story, obviously. And then when I saw the footage, I was like, that's more than I expected. Like, I thought, like, Vince was caught by people, too. And then when the footage surfaced, I was like, oh, no, he just took the spot. I was like, man, he's 70-something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they always say he won't do anything he's not willing yeah. to do himself. But I can tell you, too, those heights sometimes, man, they they might not look that high, on TV, but when you're up there, it's it feels ten times higher. So hats off to the both of them. What kind of interaction did you have with Vince separate than uh, separate of that? Did you talk to him much? I mean, I know in recent years, people say it's become a little bit more difficult uh, to, to to have conversations with him. Yeah, I mean, he's always been known to to have an open door policy, um, you know. But at the same time, I, I never wanted to be the guy that was knocking on his door every week, over-pitching, complaining. I never wanted to be that guy. So anytime I went to meet with Vince, it was either because I had a great idea that I thought was feasible. I feel like people go pitch him these ludicrous ideas that have no shot of, of, of coming through. Or, you know, like if we had to talk like, um, you know, contract negotiations or anything like that. So, I mean, I'd probably try and maybe pop in there once a quarter, maybe, I don't know, um, just depending on how it would go, um, just to follow up. Of course, you'll talk to him, you know, after a match briefly in Gorilla, and, you know, he'll keep you posted with updates or feedback or whatnot. But, yeah, I know there's a lot of guys that are that are scared to go in there and talk to him, um, and I know there's a lot of guys that maybe go in there too much. But, yeah, finding that happy balance is sometimes tricky. You mentioned the the contract negotiations. I remember, I think it was 2019, it came out that you had re-signed a new deal. I don't think it's a coincidence that a lot of people that re-signed that year are sort of having their deals cut. Do you think that they're they're looking at some of those and being like, man, we signed a lot of people because we were in a talent war at that point, a lot of companies emerging. Do you think that has anything to do with, with the specific cuts that are being made right now? I would say no. Um, of course, I don't know that for sure. I think the only thing that matters on these cuts is is pretty much your price tag. You know, if they're trying to cut costs right now and they're really going deep into that, I mean, there's guys that had no business getting fired that did maybe because they were expensive. But whether or not you had, you know, one year left on your deal, one month left on your deal, five, ten years left on your deal, I don't really think that matters because – 
you know, they're not guaranteed contracts. You have your 90 days, but outside of that, like you're not getting locked in for a year and, you know, there aren't really guarantees of any kind, even on a limited capacity. So I don't think that necessarily um, um, factored in. Potentially, if you had like a little bit left, then they might think, you know, let's let it play out and finish out and see if anything changes. But that, that's the only thing I could think of. So it, maybe explain to me like how you got the news. I'm sure it was it was not a, a wonderful time, but I mean, you did have other stuff in the works, as we see right now. You had a movie that was being filmed and they hit up WWE and said, hey, this guy, we, we like this guy. What, what kind of range of emotions did you go through there? Because obviously exciting things on the horizon, but still what you had devoted your life to for the last several years was, was changing significantly. Yeah, man. Um, you know, there was a lot that was going on at that time. Um, but ultimately when I got the news there, you know, there's, there's always some mixed emotions, but I don't know. The way I looked at it was for the last couple years, I was starting to get to the point where I feel like they don't know how to use me here. I feel like I have all this talent that no one's seen. Like, like I literally never was in a legitimate program or storyline with anybody. So a lot of people, you know, I always felt funny when, when I would be judged online or, or by a locker room. Cause it's like, how can you judge a guy when you don't know what he can do? Like these cold matches or these, you know, dark matches or like, filler matches it's like you can't get a feel for what someone's got to offer until they can be on a program until you give them that mic they can have a few goes with the the same talent they can go after each other and you can really start to paint that picture i mean that cell phone promo was kind of the extent of that opportunity that i got my career in my career and that was like a two-minute thing on my phone in my garage so i was starting to get to the point where it was like i'm not a quitter i don't quit I know that you have to weather the storm, but at the same time too, it was like, you know what, if, if this isn't really going to go anywhere, I don't really want to be a career mid Carter or a guy that's, you know, being used to do behind the scenes stuff only or whatever it might be. So it almost looked like, you know, pulling the plug on something that needed, needed a change. And I mean, guys leave all the time. They become more successful and they either come back with a bigger name or they continue to do their outside, you know, their stuff outside of the, the business or the company and it's better off for them. So I felt like I was approaching that time. And so I was kind of, I was glad, man. And now, now it's like, I'm relearning what freedom smells and tastes like, and I can do anything I want. And I, I don't have to ask permission, permission. I can start a Twitch account. I can <laughs> go to a restaurant for a nice meal and tag the restaurant on my, my personal social media. So it's just like, there's a lot, man. And I'm, I'm hustling. I'm busier now than I've ever been, which has been nuts. And um, it just shows like, you know, it was time and, you know, it's a win-win. So I assume the conversation was, hey, sorry, pal, budget cuts from the uh, talent relations. Uh, more or less. I mean, there was a lot that, that went into that. Maybe we'll touch on that later. Sure, but uh, sure. yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it was more or less. It was like, hey, man, you know, doors open. If so, you want, but yeah. And you had mentioned, hey, maybe this Gronk thing happens in the future. And obviously it, it seems like that would be something he'd be interested in in the future as well. But you had touched on the Twitch stuff and being able to tag restaurants and all that. I mean, there are a lot of wrestlers. They've got gyms. They, their, their wives are or significant others, husbands have clothing lines. They can't tag those on social media right now. What were your thoughts when you, you heard that, that sort of edict come down? Because I remember when I was getting the news of it and wrestlers were messaging me, they're like, Hey, this is happening. I was like, man, that seems considering the independent contractor nature of things. That seems a little intrusive, but how did you feel? That was one of the most brutal messages I've ever gotten while I was with the company. Um, that's the thing, man. Like, outside of the wrestling world, people don't understand how talented pro wrestlers are. I mean, look, I played in the NFL before this. You know, I had my NBA. I worked on Wall Street. Like, out of all these places I've been, I've never seen a more talented group of people across all skill sets then pro wrestlers and kind of when you're when you're talking about you know social media that's kind of your ticket to the outside world 
to find out what you can do and what you're capable of, especially for guys that aren't being used regularly on TV. I know for me personally, um, that was a way for me to build my brand and show people who I was outside of, you know, if I was forced to hypothetically scribble on my face with a blue marker and do something that I didn't think was very me. But, uh, you know, not only that, like it, it was a huge, you know, um, uh, income stream for us. I know I was doing, you know, a lot of a lot of work on my social. A lot of the guys were, too. Um, it was a way to get, you know, not only product, but cash. And it was like big business for everybody. Um, so taking that away was was tough, especially for guys that are just getting started, because, you know, when you're on those rookie deals, I mean, you're not you, you're paying your bills, but you're not really saving for your future, especially when you factor in all the expenses we have. Um, so, you know, it's a way to just grow your brand. And for me, too, I always looked at it as a sense of, oh, well, you know, if if um, WWE sees me uh on on uh, my instagram doing a deal with under armor oh well maybe they'll you know it'll alert some tension to make them aware of of who they have and what they got because i remember there was times where i would do deals with comp uh with companies that the wwe was trying to um do deals with and, and couldn't get those deals done i did it myself you know i'm not the only one that's been able to to do that so yeah that was a big blow for everybody we were we were not happy. <laughs> oh, I, yeah. The people I talked to were, were not happy. And, I mean, when I heard that, I immediately thought of, like, CM Punk and that pro, that interview he did after he left WWE and him saying, yeah, I would go in there and pitch these deals. And then I would look and, like, some other wrestler would have that deal through WWE. And, I mean, wrestlers are so naturally creative. People don't usually get into pro wrestling unless they're creative people because you're constantly creating characters, moves, spots and matches and you all interact up until last year with a live audience so like twitch and stuff like that is so natural you're being creative you're interacting with people and that's that's a big thing to take off the table yeah absolutely man it's uh it's crazy i mean i always look at it from a business perspective i mean you're talking about a group of dynamic athletes who know how to successfully create a brand how to market that brand to any demographic how to command the attention of a crowd instantaneously uh, who can operate under uh, hostile or, you know, changing uh, environments and circumstances who know how to work a mic, who know how to present themselves. Like, you know, you chop it up in any way. And it's like, what business can do that other than professional wrestling? I mean, I, I have buddies that I played with in the NFL making 50, a hundred million dollars and don't know how to cut a promo. Like they, they're getting brought in to do these huge, huge deals. And it's like, this guy can barely speak the, the English language. Like, you know, meanwhile, you got these other guys, these pro wrestlers who, all right, cool. What points are we trying to get across? Okay. Got it. Here we go. You know, and just nail it on the first take above and beyond. So it's crazy, man. Uh, speaking of video games, you appeared in a few of them for WWE. Did you have to go in and do any work? I mean, I know that they scan you guys, but did you do like any voiceover, mocap, anything like that? No, um, I think they might have done some of the voiceover work, you know, for you know, he ain't hyped, or you know, yeah. any of our yeah. like signature phrases or whatever. Uh, we never did the mocap. They had, um, I think, uh, outside uh, workers do that. Um, Funny story, actually, I know when they were filming or they were mo-capping my entrance in the first ever video game, uh, <laughs> uh, Samoa Joe sent me a video, as did L.A. Knight, actually, uh, of the guy who was trying to do my entrance oh. upside down in a trash can, puking everywhere because it was too <laughs> cardio-intensive for him. And then I guess when he got, um, and that was just from doing the first half of my old entrance, <laughs> he comes back out of the trash can, tries to do the second half sliding into the ring and either broke or sprained his ankle oh, off no. the get go. I like totally just, just destroyed this guy. I felt so bad, but it was also so funny. Cole Cabana was just telling me a story. He was like, you would be surprised at the things that we, we had trouble replicating. He said, nobody could do Molina's splits. Nobody could do Roman Reigns' Superman punch. And a Superman punch is a common MMA move, but they were like his footwork. There was something about the way that he wa he leaps or something that they couldn't replicate. And he was talking about like Sanjay Dutt and Adam Pierce, these guys who have done everything. 
And they're like, we can't figure it out. Like, none of them could. So it doesn't surprise me to hear that your entrance might have been tough for them to replicate. Well, that just goes with, uh, we talked about earlier about pitching things and them getting pretty much stolen or borrowed for other people. Um, that's why I always try to pitch only things that only I could do. Ah, <laughs> you know, that was, that was always kind of a key. And if I was going to pitch something, I'd try to deliver it in a way that only I could do. So that was a lesson too, to be well, learned. I'm going to pitch something to you. You've seen these, these like freak show fights that Triller's doing, right? Like all these crazy ones. Like, okay, here we go. Rob Gronkowski against Lisa, the security guard who wins. <laughs> Bro, that was one of my favorites. She did everyone a great, great service that day. She made the whole fight, just so you know. Um, <laughs> but Lisa's definitely going to kick the crap out of Rob. Uh, actually, <laughs> I think they were they had a Super Bowl or something, and I would uh, send send Rob videos before the game of, like, me and Lisa. With Lisa talking trash, if they lose, she's going to come down there and run it back and whip his ass and all this and that. That was kind of a great friendship we have, but, dude, that day, that spot was hysterical because um, you, you know how the, the wrestling world can be. And when you bring in outsiders, they don't they don't tend to like it. So yeah. there was a percentage of the crowd that when they showed Rob some boot, and I heard that, and in the beginning of the match, knowing what was coming, I was like, ah, oh, crap, this is, this is not good. <laughs> So, you know, as the match went on, you know, they were pulling for me a little more. And then it came time for, for the Gronk spot. So when she, when he stood up afterwards, like people actually cheered. Some people cheered Jinder for splashing him. And, you know, some people started to boo Rob when he, when he stepped up and came for the spot. But then when Lisa took it away from him, they realized how much they still wanted to see it. So anyone that was booing, now was cheering and it just made the whole thing perfect so it was great but i was literally laying on the floor right underneath and i'm like lisa part of the show part of the show let him go how did she react afterwards like was she embarrassed or was she, was she okay with it how'd that work she well she was so confused in the moment i think afterwards she still was confused and she was worried that like it was going to be held against her and, yeah. and taken out against her. Cause I remember another one of the, the security guards ran up while this was going on and he just ran up and he was like, what the F? And he shouted it out. I was dying laughing. I was trying so hard to like dig my face into the corner of the barricade. But dude, I'm telling you, it made it better. I had so many wrestlers after the Enzo situation that messaged me and they're like, Lisa's two and O now she's two and O. It's like, Oh no. Enzo probably still has whiplash from that moment. <laughs> bro, I was in tears when I saw that. And the wig that Enzo picked, bro, oh. what's the uh, the uncle from Napoleon Dynamite? Uh, <laughs> Rico. Rico. Yeah, uncle Rico. Bro, that was, that was the best. And when Lisa snatched him, that was the first thing went, that went through my mind was, dude, Lisa's 2-0. Oh, man, Lisa. Dude, uh, she ejected him. She's, oh, yeah, she's the best. I, I miss her. love her so much. So you, we mentioned, obviously, the WrestleMania Battle Royal. When did you find out you were going to win that, and what's, what's your reaction to something like that? Um, I don't know. I might have found out. You know, I didn't know for sure until maybe a few days before, but I think I found out a week or two ahead of time that this was the current plan. Um, and the way they were kind of um, showcasing me on TV leading up to that, I had no no doubt in my mind that that was going to be what it was. All my matches were structured around battle royals or battle royal concepts. I was the first to declare for it, all that. So it was all kind of a giveaway there. But um, that's when I had the idea to to tag Rob in this and, you know, cause I know he wanted in and it was mania and it could be a great spot for everybody. So we brought Rob in and once, you know, Rob came in, um, you know, cause they had to give him the heads up on what he was going to be doing. That was, 
kind of when I found out for sure what they what they were thinking and, and whatnot. But yeah, man, that was that was great. And it was my first mania. So it was it was really cool. It was great stuff. Got to, you know, do it with my, my best friend. Gender's another one of my really close friends in the locker room. So that was cool that it came down to uh to me and him. And, and then you immediately got, uh, after that he's WWE champion. <laughs> yeah, man. Great spot for him. Don't hinder gender. <laughs> My God. While we're on the subject of Battle Royals, I know you did a couple of Royal Rumbles, including one in Saudi Arabia. What was what was the process of that like? I mean, that's a giant one. That's 50 people. How did that differ from, I think it was the 2017 Rumble you did? Was it messier? Did they structure it different? How did that work? Um, that one was kind of funny, actually. So I have an Arab background. My dad, half of my dad's family lives in Saudi. My whole family speaks Arabic. Um, I'm learning. Um, so we'll, every time we would go to Saudi, it was, uh, they'd always send me over a week or two ahead of time, you know, for, for PR, for promos, community service, whatever we could do. And I always, I always wanted to go. I loved it. Um, it was great. And I, I would get to see my family. So that was always one of my favorite parts of, of the gig over the, the past, you know, nine, 10 years was, was of moments like this, um, especially international travel. The Saudi battle Royal was funny because they were trying to figure out who they wanted to be as kind of their like figurehead or spokesperson for the market Yeah, for all promos. It was me, you know, like they had, they had me in that role, but you know, they brought in Mansoor, whose family's also from Saudi. He looks, you know, he looks Arab. I don't look Arab at all. And uh, they were trying to figure out, like, uh, do we use them both? Do we do we use one? So I remember it was just so funny because in the creative meeting, they're like, all right, who are we going to have win this thing? And there were some people that wanted Mansoor and there were some people that wanted wanted me and they're like dude mojo's already on the main roster he's already been here for for promo and whatnot Let, let's use him and they, they decided to use mansoor and i'm so happy for him he's worked his butt off uh in a lot of different ways to to be the representative there but i just remember it was funny because i guess when they decided mansoor was gonna be the guy they were like well shoot we can't have we can't have two Arab representatives in the ring at the same time. It's going to split the crowd. We got to, we got to get Mojo out of this thing ASAP. So I think they're like first commercial break, just toss out Mojo and just get him out of there. So it doesn't split the crowd. And, and that's what happened. So it was, it was kind of funny. I was like, guys, you do realize I've been here for two weeks, like on <laughs> TV every day in the region. Like you're aware of this, right? Like, you know, we could do like a tag team thing over here or, I could always be the heel to, you know, build them up or whatever you guys want. What was their reaction whatever. to that? Did they did they just dismiss it or were they just like, eh? Well, I never you never know what actually goes on behind the closed doors. I had just heard that this was one of the conversations that was had, so it was funny. But Mansoor's done a hell of a job over there. And again, he he is the part, but he also looks the part too. <laughs> That's a fair point. You also threw out a couple people in, I think, the greatest Royal Rumble, Tyler Breeze, Fandango. Do they they hit you up, at, or do they tell you beforehand, hey, you're throwing these people out, get with them, figure out how you're going to do it? Man, those things are all over the place, bro. Yeah, there's usually like a, a little list, but a lot of it's, you know, kind of, you know, on the fly. You might get some pointers while you're in there. Yeah. Um, you know, there isn't like a set list like, all right, number one, this guy eliminates that guy. I mean, sometimes there are, but that's – when you got 50 people, you can't wait in succession because it's just going to take too long. And no one can see it across the ring, you know, to know who's been el eliminated, let alone know who's left. So it's uh, it gets crazy, man. Those things can be can be a blur sometimes. And you mentioned the vignettes that you uh, were, were running. You uh, you had the the mirror there. You had the, the scribbling on your face. Were you ever told a specific end game for that, or was it go by week by week? Um, I don't know if you ever really get a. I don't know if. <laughs> let me just say, I don't know if I've ever gotten a specific end game for anything. Um, they might have an idea of where this might head in a few weeks, or what this might set up uh, for next week. Um, I 
I pitched the thing with the mirror just as a way to like, you know, everyone looks at the mirror in the morning at the end of the night to kind of pump themselves up to, you know, get their heads screwed on straight to kind of have like a little bit of an introspective moment and self-assessment or whatnot. So I kind of pitched that as an idea because um, I know they wanted me to, to take the heel run for a while. You know, maybe I was like verbally berating somebody and you don't know who it was and you find out later it was me. And then it opens the door for this whole new attitude. And I, you know, pitched a couple of uh, more specific ideas with it that honestly I can't remember currently. Um, and I remember Vince loved that idea. And then somehow along the way, and I, I, I'm not going to say that this came from him because who knows if it did or didn't. Yeah. Whoever was producing it, it just came into this psychotic thing of losing my mind, which is if that's where they want it to go and that's where they see value and the money in, then let's run with it. Sure. They had the idea for the face paint. I didn't like the idea for the face paint, but the <laughs> other idea was to go in into a mask for it. And I was more opposed to that. So I was wow. like, we'll take the face paint. Um, did you get any concept so, art for the, the mask or was it just an idea thrown out? I had, yes, there was concept art sent. Um, some of them were absolutely terrible. I mean, we it saw, was, we saw the stuff that they pitched for the revival, like those, those weird outfits. Look, dude, those, <laughs> it was funny. Dude, it was, I, I mean, to their point though, like, I'm sure, like, if they were to pitch The Undertaker again in today's market, if you take one look at that, you'd probably be like, uh, yeah. no. <laughs> um, so you never know what's going to hit and what will actually be able to materialize. I will say that some of the sketches they submitted actually did look pretty solid. Okay. A lot of them, not so much. Um, but, yeah, somehow we ended up doing the, the face paint. And I'm not an artist like that. I didn't know how to put it on, I think everyone that was drawing it on for me on televised shows, uh, events didn't really quite know what to do with it either. We were just trying to figure it out and then it was over before it started. So whatever. <laughs> so uh, sort of as we wrap up, cause man, we're, we're going to have to talk again another time. Cause there's so much to talk to you about. Did you ever work with Kevin Dunn directly with those vignettes or at all? Because there are some people I hear that he works with a lot. And there are some people I hear like they don't see him whatsoever. Um, first of all, I love Kevin Dunn. I think he's, he's great. Um, I know him and him and Vince always, uh, thought highly of me while I was there. Um, you know, for some reasons that might not even be so obvious or might be bigger picture than, you know, everyone listening and at home might, might think would be important, but Kevin was always, always great to me. Um, he's a busy guy, man. I mean, just like Vince, uh, he's in the truck and he's got a million things going on that people don't even, you know, can't even fathom or know to think about. So a lot of guys will have limited interactions with him geographically. He's just not around where we all are. Like he's outside in the truck and he's a busy guy. So, you know, catching him can be, can be tricky, just like Vince. I mean, I remember some days I would try to be the one of the first people in the building just so when they come out of that meeting, I'll be standing right there and I can at least get a couple of words in. Cause I know that that might be the only time to do it. Cause I've literally been camped outside, uh, you know, certain people's offices for eight hours. If I wasn't doing anything that day and literally didn't get seen, they were just too busy. I didn't ever take that personally. It's just the nature of the business. So um, creatively, he was someone I could pitch things to again. I, he was like Vince. I didn't want to over pitch him or, get to the point where I was annoying them because I like to stay on things. And again, just be very proactive so I can overdo it sometimes. So I had to kind of check myself, but yeah, Kevin KD was always, was always great to me. And I, I think he's a great guy. Well, we've got so much more that we can talk about. And we definitely will in the future. Cause I get the feeling you're going to have some more stuff to promote sooner than later. You got snake <laughs> eyes coming up July 23rd. I'm so excited for you. I'm so excited to see it. I mean, we haven't even touched on NXT like whatsoever or, or the Riddick Moss stuff. There's so much there. Man, I, I want to thank you so much for, for giving me so much time because, I mean, you know, you, it's been a long time coming. For, for a long time, I couldn't get through the red tape of WWE to interview you. Now, now that they're giving me interviews, you're not there. 
So it's, it's got to be the magic of G.I. Joe that brings us together. Well, let me just say real quick, I'll say two things. Yes, the G.I. Joe magic is real. Snake Eyes is going to be insane. I'm telling you, y'all are going to love it. It's unreal. But the second thing I'm going to say is there's a lot of people in this industry that do things the wrong way. And there's not that many that do it the right way. And you are a guy that's always done it the right way. You've always had my back, been there, been there for me to chat and things and, you know, pitch, pitch stuff. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff that we're not going to talk about right now that <laughs> yeah. you've had my back on that you, you've been looking out for me that could have uh, really been some big headlines and big news for you. And you were really, you know, respectable and cool about you know, let me talk about things when it's time and just respecting not only myself, but all the other talent who, you know, you hear stuff about and, you yeah. know, you, you keep private because it's not only about, you know, ratings and, you know, having a successful business, but the integrity part of this business is huge and it, it comes around, uh, comes around full circle times 10 later on. So thank you for being one of the guys that, that does it the right way. And that's why, Hey, man, anytime you want me on, you just give me a shout, brother. Handcuffs are off, sir. I appreciate it. And, I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff that I don't think is my business. And, and you anybody could argue that anything I report isn't my business, and I could get that. But ultimately, I run the website, so I get to decide what I put out. So, <laughs> so I, And let me clarify, too. I'm not talking about, like, Anyone in the locker room doing anything illegal? No, nothing illegal. That, is, that, that, that stuff comes come out. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's that's where I do draw the line. If it's like illegal or criminal or any, you know, a lot of the stuff that that unfortunately a lot of people overcame last year that stuff's got to be out there but there's a lot of personal stuff that quite frankly I look at and I go that's not my business. And even though I report stuff like I get to decide what I deem worth reporting or worth keeping private so i appreciate the kind words it means a lot and, and yeah for everyone at home i just meant along the lines of like you know personal trauma relationship issues injuries things like that just so we're oh all he, he had case. surgery last year and he's a cyborg and i've been keeping that <laughs> under wraps that's how he got the role like he is actually <laughs> in snake eyes he is a cyborg that they are fighting and this has been preparation for the role for a year and here we are breaking the news. <laughs> My man. I love it, baby. You're the man, bro. Guys, check him out. Follow him at Mojo Mutati, and you will find, like, keep up to date with all the stuff he's, he's got going on. Snake Eyes releases July 13th. The 23rd. Oh, sorry. July 23rd. It's right here on the screen. I was reading right <laughs> off the screen, like, below your name, and I still messed it up. But hey, I'm it one happens, of the guys doing bro. things it the happens. right way, Mojo. <laughs> Just messing up release dates. Until, All good, baby. until next time guys we're out say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.